Oh Lord, we are so thankful, Father, that you have gathered us this morning. We ask that you come into this place and prepare our hearts. We thank you for your word, because this is the truth. We pray, Father, for your anointing on Pastor Matt this morning as he teaches us about the uniting church, the united church. And will you prepare our hearts and our minds and our ears to be attentive and to be open to learning from you. And that uh, what we learn, we will put into practice. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12. The body is a unit, though it is made up of many parts, and though all parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. For we were all baptized into one spirit, by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free. And we were all given the one spirit to drink. Now the body is not made up of one part, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were a, a ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has combined the members of the body and has, greater, has, has, and has given greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. And this is the word of God. All right, well, good morning, church. Good to be back here again, uh, to be getting stuck into the Word and continuing on in our series. And uh, I am glad that we do have these little booklets, by the way, because I actually do really want to encourage you to be taking notes um, because it's just another way to engage your brain and your mind with uh, what's happening up front. Plus, you get to keep, uh, keep a record of those notes uh, for your future reference. Uh, so I want to commend you in that. Well, uh, this morning, I wanted to talk about what it means to be a member of a church. Now, I don't know whether you talked about being a member of a particular club or society, you had some experience of that, uh, but uh, I remember uh, recently going along to a football game, going along to a football game. Now, I actually wasn't a member, but my mate who took me along was a member of that club, uh, and what that means, see, when you go along to a football club and a uh, football match and you're a member of that club, uh, they actually give you a few special perks, right? There's a whole section of seats that's reserved just for members, right? You can go and get those special seats right there on the halfway line. Uh, you're allowed to invite a friend or a family along and, and get tickets into that area. Uh, but there's also a little special members bar 
which is just a bit nicer than all the, the other kind of places where you can get food or drinks in the rest of the stadium. If you've been to a football stadium, you know they're not like luxury places. But when you walk into the members section, well, yeah, then you get the nice carpet, you get the nicer grade food, and you kind of get the nicer everything. He tells me that there's all these extra special events that you can go along to if you're a member. Now, I looked this up, what it would uh, take to kind of be part of, uh, if you want to join the membership of the Brisbane Broncos here in Brisbane, uh, it's got its nice little tagline, you know, join the family. Join the family uh, for the gentle sum of $799. You can be part of our family. So it says... Now, I think there's something good about that, being part of uh, being, you know, joining and backing your club in in that way. But ultimately, to me, it just felt a little transactional, didn't it? You know, pay this money, get some perks, get some extra special uh, VIP access to stuff there at the game. Now, I've got another friend who's also a big uh, fan and a member of his football club. He, a different NRL club, the Cronulla Sharks, but he was a very different kind of member. He would go to every single game. He absolutely just lived and bled blue for the, the colour of the Cronulla Sharks. He lived and, and, and rode the ups and downs of what it meant uh, for that club. Uh, he spent his spare time volunteering to go and help out at the club. In fact, he was around so much that uh, the players knew him and he knew the players. A very different type of member. Now, I think that's got me really thinking about what it means to be a member, to be a member of any club or a society or a church. See, that's what we're going to be wrestling with a lot today because last week, Pastor Yee launched this new series, this new series on church and what it means to be the church. And we really focused on just how important and precious this thing is that's called church, this thing that is so dear and precious to God. And this idea, you know, church is not a building, it's not an organization, not a denomination. It's not even an event that you attend. It's a people that you belong to. And specifically, uh, he uh, showed us that a people, it's a people of God gathered together in worship to hear from his word. And we saw so much so clearly, God just loves his gathered people. He loves them. You don't become part of the church because somehow you're special, or you're especially worthy, but actually God chooses us. He loves our sinners. He sends his son to die for us. And he redeems the people that are his own. That's what makes God, our church, precious to God. It's not perfect in any way. No, but it's precious to God. And so what I thought today, we kind of really follow on from that sermon and start asking some of the deeper questions. And what does it mean to be a member of God's precious church? Now, in a sense, that's actually the topic really for the rest of our series now. We're going to be talking lots more about what it means to be a part of God's people. But I particularly wanted to cover that aspect of what does it mean to be part of God's people, but particularly, how is it that you join to be part of this people, and what does it mean to be a member? What's my connection to the other members, the other parts of God's church? Now, I'm going to start with this real key idea, this real key idea. So you're not a member because you're special. No, no. Actually, to be part of the church means no. you're special because you've been made a member. And you're made a member by God's 
mercy, by God's mercy. Now, I'm going to jump to a different passage first before we get to that 1 Corinthians passage. This is in 1 Peter chapter 2. If you want to follow me there in, the, in your Bibles, you can, or you can just read it above. That's what it says. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Now, I actually love this little passage. that Peter absolutely packs this full of theology about what it means to be God's special chosen people. You know, sort of some of the stuff that he talked about last week. Are we a royal priesthood, a holy nation, exalted titles. You know, this is a very exalted special position. These grand lofty titles really underlie what it means that this is God's dear, dear church to him. But Peter's purpose is not to show how special you are being the church, but actually how you became to receive such a title, right? By mercy. By mercy. Once you were nothing, you were not a special people, right? You were sinners. You were part of this world, idolaters, people who ignored God. But then God, out of his love and his mercy, brings you in. He calls you in. He deals with your sin. He makes you part of his family, part of his people. Now, church, I want to say that's a crucially important understanding of what it means to be part of the church. You see, this is a real supernatural membership. This isn't a thing that you've got to kind of achieve and to be good enough to get into this place. No, you only get in here because God has done an act of mercy upon you. That is to say that church is not a meritocracy. A meritocracy. I don't know if you heard that phrase before. It's kind of phrase says that uh, you gain access into something because of your merits, that you've passed the right... uh, exams that now you can say I've earned the merit to pass my uni course or um, I got chosen in the interview process to kind of come and join this company you know your value in that in a meritocracy your value is very much based on your performance what you bring to the company the practice the school whatever it is you know I'm told by those who grow up uh, in the Asian education system out there. You know, if you were educated in Singapore, Korea, somewhere like that, uh, it's way more intense than it is here in Australia. Why? Because everything is based on merit. Everything's based on merit. In fact, pretty much a large part of society is really all based on merit. And what happens is that many just feel like they're caught in this rat race from a young age. You know, I remember some cousins of mine telling me how they started their baby on some training, saying to identify different colors. I mean, the poor bub couldn't even speak yet, and that was kind of part of their early training, training to get ahead, pressure to get the best grades, so that you can pass the entrance exams to get into the best schools, so that you can get then into the best university, so you can get into the best career pathway. Right, that's a meritocracy. Bad luck to those who fall behind. Bad luck to those who can't afford the tutoring and the other things that uh, others can afford. Now, that's a relatively easy thing to pick on, really, isn't it? To kind of look at the merit-based system that uh, much of society falls on. But there's very few places in the world where your admission depends on your unworthiness, on your unworthiness, right? 
See, membership in God's church depends on God's mercy. And by definition, that means actually you are unworthy to be here. Now, that's such a brain-twisting thing because our human instinct is always that everything is based on merit in some way, right? And we desire, we want to be deserving. We want to be able to climb a ladder. We want, it's the sort of thing that challenges our deep beliefs that our value is linked to our, our, our function or our work or our merit. Now, that's got huge ramifications, that's actually a really important foundational idea. It might kind of seem kind of obvious if you've been a Christian for a long time and the concept of God's mercy is just part of you, but actually has big flow on, see, because now membership of the church is broad and diverse. It's broad and diverse. Now, you really see this actually quite clearly in the passage that we did read earlier there uh, from 1 Corinthians. Uh, the Corinthian church there, if you know anything, if you've read that uh, part of the Bible, it's the most conflict-ridden church in the Bible. You know, for anyone who kind of says, oh, you know, the modern church has got it so messed up, the early church, that's where it was, I always like to point out to people, go and read 1 Corinthians, right? Go and read 1 Corinthians, because the early church had all the same problems that we as a modern church face today. In fact, I'm thankful for it so that we have the Apostle Paul's word on what it means to kind of work through some of those issues. See, this is a church that really prioritized the rich at the expense of the poor, it prioritized the gifts of those who had the big, awesome, outward spiritual gifts, you know, speaking in tongues and prophecy and all these sorts of things. And it prioritized those gifts over other gifts. The other basic, more basic gifts of administration or teaching or some of those gifts. See, read on with me from verse 12. Go back to 1 Corinthians 12 if you flicked over before. 1 Corinthians verse 12. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or, Greek, uh, Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. And we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, what Paul says here is that we Christians, if you're here and you're part of the church, you are united. You are united. You are already united. It's the, you don't have to form your unity. No, you're already united by Jesus, around Christ, by the Spirit, by the fact that if you're a Christian, you've been baptized into Jesus. You've been baptized into His name. You've been baptized into this one body of believers. Not as like lots of bits and parts, not as individuals out there as individual Christians out on your own, but actually that you've been baptized into this body of believers. So you don't have to make up this unity. You're already unified by the Spirit. And what you've got to do is to live up to that unity. Now, what I love about it is the way that Paul points out, therefore, that there's no, all those pre-existing divisions out there in the world and society, they are gone. They are done. They do not exist here within the church, whether it's by wealth or by political stance or by race, religion, and anything else that might have previously divided out there in society. Those things are gone in the church. Now, I remember a time at a previous church of ours, uh, we had this young adults group. Uh, it was a great little group, but uh, it had a very, very kind of leaning down into the, the kind of nerdy, 
geeky end of the spectrum. Right? I'm not just talking about you know, kids who just love playing computer games. I'm talking about the full cosplaying, like really into comic books and anime and all these kinds of thing. Um, and that was great. That's, that's kind of what we were working with, that young adults group. But a new family came along, right? Now, a new, this new family, they were straight up from the jocks end of the spectrum, right? Full-on sporty, athletic types, right? This is classic, like, high school kind of jocks and geeks kind of division. And, you know, they, they sort of hate each other because, you know, the jocks, well, they tend to be more out there and popular, and they love sports, they hate academics. And the geeks, well, they love studying things. They love kind of getting into their really kind of niche little um, pop cultural things and... Uh, and it was a fascinating place because uh, the groups just weren't really mixing at first. In fact, in truthful, there was quite a bit of judgment going each way. So I was talking with uh, Mike, who's my mate, who were running this group together, and we decided we needed something to bring these groups together, and to get them to kind of appreciate each other a bit more, and to be involved in a common pursuit together. And so uh, we started a touch football team and did all the work to kind of convince everyone to be a part of this thing. Um, and it was, you know, it was such a fascinating, cool little space. I mean, it was pretty clear that there were some of the young adults just hadn't used their legs in a while, right? It was sort of that level of sportiness. But then there we had these, these three others who were they, were, they were lean athletes. Like a couple of them were state-level runners, uh, sprinters, which is perfect for touch football. But what I loved was seeing the commitment to kind of step into this space together. And then to see them actually cheering each other on, like appreciating the fact that, hey, you're learning this and we can teach you some stuff. And, uh, and wow, you know, we, wow, you're really quick. Like when you hit that gap, you're gone, you're down. That, that is a try. And to see them crossing those barriers was great. It was awesome. But you know, it's very much what the gospel does for the church. It should bring people to cross those barriers, to cross those lines, right? We, we, need to have, a, we have a new common spirit and common purpose you know, in ways that our world can't quite replicate. And the gospel does that because it doesn't simply change just how we relate to each other. It actually changes who we are. It changes us down on the level of our identity, the kind of baptism that a Christian experiences is, is described in the, in the Bible as like undergoing a death and a resurrection into a new creation, right? We die to our old self and we rise as a new person. And that new person is part of a body of believers, a body of other people who have been raised, who have been empowered by the Spirit, who is raised as a new person. And that's what it means to be a church, that we are all together by God's mercy, raised as new people, a new humanity, a new family together. But just because we enter into the same way, into the body here, it doesn't extinguish the fact that we're also still different, as we maintain what's distinctive about us. Verse 15. Now, if the foot should say... Because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body. It would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, Because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body. It would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? 
as it is, there are many parts, but one body. Now, that's a fascinating little analogy. So clearly he's using an analogy of the body, the human body. Um, now, that's, that's a cool little analogy. I mean, for someone like me who spent uh, six years studying the human body, you know, the anatomy, physiology, how it works, how those different things, um, what happens when things go wrong to the body, uh, I think this is a great and fascinating little analogy. See, one of the things you learn early on, it's not just learning about the different parts and how they work, but it's actually, you start then learning about how all the systems of the body work together, right? See, all those little cells make organs and muscles and tendons and bones, but then those things all connect to each other. And all those different systems also play a part in each other. See, I don't know if you knew this, but actually in your lungs are lots of tiny, tiny microscopic little air sacs called alveoli. They're covered in capillaries, which are little tiny blood vessels, which then take the oxygen from the surrounding air, absorb it into your bloodstream, and then it, at the same time is offloading carbon dioxide. And then all those little blood vessels flow together and they flow as circulating blood through your heart that pump system that is pumping 24-7 for decades and decades on end, providing that blood and circulation to the rest of your body. Right? That's just one system, right? That's just one system in your body. And it's essential. You can't live without a heart. You can't live without a lung. All those parts are critical to what it means to be a body, to be a human body. And so what Paul is saying is that every single part of the church Every individual is indispensable. But it also means that we're not all the same. In fact, it's actually an advantage that we're not all the same. The differences, the different functions of the different parts of the body is what actually makes it so amazing, that helps it makes it function so well. But what Paul points out is that there is a risk, and the risk is this, that there is a kind of envy that can happen between different parts of the body, right? Then the ear might believe that, well, because it's not an eye, it's therefore maybe it's not part of the body. It's an inferior part of the body. Now, I think what he's pointing is out is that uh, what can happen within the life of a church is that you can start to elevate one type of person. Now, specifically in Corinth, like I mentioned, it's actually the elevation of particular spiritual gifts. Now, I wonder what it would be maybe in our context in Brisbane, 2023. Uh, is it that we lift up the people up front? Is it people like me, the preachers, or is it talented musicians? Maybe it's the real hardcore evangelists who are out there that you want to kind of really uplift because, you know, they just seem to be able to tap into and just reach our world around us, right? Maybe it's the youth team because, well, they seem to run the coolest events on a Friday night. I don't know, what, it is, what is it that you might kind of be tempted to kind of uplift a certain type of person and kind of maybe put yourself down a little bit? See, Paul reasons, imagine if the whole body were an eye. Would that function? If we are an entire church of kind of cool, creative musical types and designer types, what kind of church would we be? You know, and we had no one kind of running the admin or, or people putting effort into preparing sermons or studies or that sort of thing. Now, we might be a really kind of cool, vibey church, you know. We just rock up on a Sunday and uh, we just spontaneously start jamming and we'll do whatever. And that might be actually really kind of cool for a few weeks. 
But I reckon after a, f- a, a, a few weeks down the track, you start going, oh, this is getting a little old, because, well, we're just so disorganized, and the same people who are up playing, and, uh, and well, no one's actually put any effort into the teaching side of things. You know, our kids are just running riot, because we don't have anyone kind of running a kids program for them, right? That's what it means. He's saying every single part of the church has its role, has its place. No part is, is less or less, the uh, more part is more dispensable, less valuable to the rest of the body. Now, I think that also speaks to our desire here at CPE to be an intergenerational church, right? Now, I know it's one of those sort of buzzwords and it's floating around and, and every church says they want to be an intergenerational church, but it does express something that I think is really important. We need each other. Not whether you're a teenager, an empty nester, a single, or a married couple, whoever it is, we need the experience of age, and we need the energy and vitality of youth, and we need those moments to be able to cross those barriers and to get to know each other. I actually think that this is an area that we can do a little bit better at as a church. You see, within the body, there is distinction. There's difference. There's diversity. What there's not, what there's not, is division. Did you see that? There's no division. There's no sense, and and this happens within church, in which there's sort of a mouth that's a little bit just disconnected from the body, but the mouth loves to sit just outside and kind of criticizing from the sideline, having no kind of ownership or investment in the body, but loves kind of, uh, just loves kind of throwing those uh, little truth bombs in there. Or, or maybe it's like the, 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 the foot that's kind of dis- disconnected and loves sticking the boot in every now and then, but does nothing to actually help the body walk and move forwards. See, every single part is on about the good of the rest. It doesn't stand apart from it. No, we're all invested in this together. We're all in it. We're all got that commonality, the common goal, the common purpose, in spite of our differences. So how can we summarize this? Well, I summarize it like this, that the membership of church is distinct and diverse, but without division. And I'll just say that's so important. That is so important that we recognize those differences and that we work hard to maintain that unity together. You see, I've spoken to far too many people, and I've seen this far too often in church, where there is a faction formed. Maybe it's a faction formed around a generation, or it's a faction formed around people who just liked a particular leader or pastor or whatever it is, and you start getting these factions that form, and then those churches end up splitting, and, 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 and it just does damage to people and does damage to the unity that we share together in Christ. No, no, we maintain those differences. We work hard to maintain the unity in spite of our differences. We work hard to cross those barriers because it's important that living up to the unity that we have already in Christ. So we've got this broad membership people, people, but they're also deeply committed and deeply interdependent with each other. Verse 21, verse 21. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, these parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. 
But God has put the body together, giving greater honour to the parts that lacked it. So there should be no division in the body, that the parts should have equal concern for one another. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. And if one part is honoured, every part rejoices with it. Right, so, church body. What we said so far. Everyone, equally loved, equally important, equally valuable. But it doesn't then follow that then therefore everyone is equally visible or or perhaps everyone is equally capable and that that's okay right see there will always be in any group of people those who are naturally honored whether right because they are just naturally talented capable relatable charismatic whatever it is right there will be a place for those and they will always kind of draw a certain natural honor to themselves but it's not our place to be envious of that, right? Like, I've got a friend, I've got a friend who's he's so similar to me, like he's so similar, he's into, into all the similar kind of stuff that I'm into, but he's just better at, at everything, right? He's just better, he's, a, he's, he's smarter, he's got a sky-high IQ, uh, he can play like three or four instruments, um, uh, he's like an amazing videographer, has a YouTube channel and all this sort of thing. And it'd be really tempting for me just to be envious and be, man, I wish, I wish I was as smart and skilled and gifted as he is. But instead, what I can do is rejoice in that. Rejoice that he, he was part of our church and that all those gifts were being put to good use within the life of our church. See, I just want to say something. This is actually, I think, something that's quite important and something quite practical because I keep coming across this as a, as a common pastoral issue. And that's a person who feels really deep down guilty and burdened by the fact that they just feel like they're not doing enough. Feel like they're not doing enough. Because maybe in the past they were like super involved and a part of all these different ministries, but right now, you know, life's just hard. You know, it might be due to kind of family stage of life, having a new bub. Uh, uh, physical health, mental health struggles, whatever it is. You see, there's a very key point here that your value in the body does not come from how much you do. It doesn't come from how much you do. Your value from this body is because God has mercifully saved you and included you and, and he treats you as precious as he does the whole church. That's where your value comes from. And that if there are times when actually you need to take a step back to rest and to, to heal or to, or to do some work on yourself, that is a good thing. That is a healthy thing. And we want to honor that. And we want to lift you up. And we want to create the space for you to do that. And that you don't need to figure out, you, know, you don't have to kind of be burdened as some sort of sense of personal failure in that. In fact, we serve and we uplift those who are struggling. Now, Paul also said, uh, mentioned this. He said, well, the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. Right? I mean, we probably all have this, but, you know, there's, there's, there's probably some part of you that you just don't like showing the world, right? Right? Maybe some ugly scars, some kind of, you've got a weird, hairy, purple thing on your back or something. I don't, I don't know, whatever it is. Uh, the Greek word, that actually, probably, it probably actually does refer to your genitals, by, if you're kind of wondering, just uh, your little Greek lesson for today. Now, I actually kind of love that Paul's willing to go there as well. He says, you know what, there's going to be weird and awkward and unique people here amongst the body of our church. See, I don't know if you're the person who felt like you were the one who never fitted in at school or in your workplace, because 
You just know that you're a bit weird, you're quirky. Well, Paul says the church, the body, loves that. It loves that, and it seeks to uplift those who are different. See, in our world, the world loves hanging out with people who are, well, usually people who are just like us, or, or perhaps more successful versions of us, right? But in the church, we intentionally hang out with those who are unlike us those from whom we may gain nothing from them. You see, it's so easy for me to hang out with people who are exactly like me, who enjoy sports like me, or play the same computer games as me. That's easy. That takes no effort whatsoever. It takes a lot more effort for me to walk across church and say, to a person who's so different from me. Or this person for whom I go, yeah, you might be a little bit socially weird and different, but I'm going to move into that space, and I'm going to relate to you. I'm going to love you in that way. You see, this is the picture of a church where everything is done for our mutual benefit and we're so interdependent on each other. And so in this world, in this culture that so values our independence, our self-sufficiency, the church should push against that. Well, let me ask, when was the last time you just put your hand up for help to actually say, no, I'm, I'm actually really struggling right now. And life's really hard for me. Instead of just soldiering on, we're willing to admit our weakness. In our life group recently, so it's a new life group that we've formed this year, so we're doing the thing where you just share a bit of your, your, your life story, your testimony at the moment. And I'm really loving that time, really loving that time. Because, you know, you sort of see a certain part of someone when you see them at church or, or even in a life group. But when they start sharing their life, their story, you start to realize, well, everyone's got their struggles. Everyone's got their burdens. And you see people just gathering around and just loving each other for who you are, for, yes, all the pain or trauma or the difficulties that you might have had currently or in the past. And we just gather around and just love each other in that moment. It's great. It's great. You see, one of the marks of the body of Christ is that when, one, when something goes wrong in one part, everyone feels it. Everyone gets on board. Everyone supports it. It's the miscarriage, the death in the family, the depression, the unemployment, the family breakdown, marriage breakdown. The mark of the healthy body isn't the absence of struggle. It's the way that the body responds to the struggle. See, church isn't a winner's club for superheroes, red capes, and no problems. This is a place where people are real, who bring all of their problems, all of who we are, our weaknesses, our struggles, and we take it on ourselves to help and support each other in that. You know, I tell you what, if a church did that really, really well, I tell you what, the rest of the world would so notice that. It would so notice that. It would be such a testament against the, the kind of world of that independence and sort your own issues out, that it would be so attractive. It would draw people in. See, who wouldn't want to be part of a body like that? That's what Paul is saying it means to be the church. He finishes there, verse 27. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. Right, now I want to just actually take a quick discourse for a moment, just to step back from that, uh, just for a moment, and just quickly talk about formal membership, okay? Formal membership. 
Because there is a thing called formal membership here at CPE, and it's designed to reflect the membership of everything that's here that talk, that's talked about in the Bible. But what our formal membership is, is, it, is, is formally expressing that specifically in relation to this church, this part of the body here at Cooper's Plains Evangelical Church. And we had a members induction just a few weeks ago, and you might have noticed a few things that uh, new members all kind of stood up here and affirmed and kind of publicly declared uh, their commitment to this local church. And it really was all about, um, you know, expressing commitment to things like caring for each other and gathering regularly and serving and, and being part of life, you know, and sort of all of those sorts of things. And, and really, all it is is a formal way of acknowledging what is asked of every Christian to the church, that is, we're committing our responsibility that members have to the body and the reciprocal that actually it's the whole body as well and its responsibility to the individual members so that's where that formal kind of membership stuff fits in it's just sort of a formal public way of declaring what everything that's here in in the bible says about being part of a church but declaring it in a formal way within the life of our church. And if that's something that's kind of twigged up for you, come and have a chat to myself, Pastor Iggy, uh, or, or one of the team here about that. All right. Now let me finish with this. So we have this thing that is the church. And what it means to be the church is to be unified because of the spirit around the person and the work of Jesus Christ. And we, as we do that, we'll find that we are a very broad and diverse church where we don't all need to be the same, but we do have the same Lord, the same Word, the same Savior, the same Spirit. And so we have a deep and committed interdependence with each other. We really do need each other. In fact, the more different people we have, the more different people participate in the life of our church, the better off we all are. And that even though everyone's not equally capable or visible, everyone is important and valued. I think this means a few things. I think this seems a few things. I think we've got to really reject the kind of that transactional idea of membership. That somehow this is, well, I'm always asking the consumer question, what do I get out of this? What kind of perks or VIP privileges might I get out of this before I kind of commit my time and energy to it? See, that's a consumer mindset. That's a consumer mindset to church. The gospel mindset shows up when we go and push against that. When we come together out of desire for mutual self-interest, that is, we are committing to deep and awkward and costly community in lots of different ways. So you might ask yourself the question, do you see this church very much as part of you, as you are part of it? Like your ears or your eyes are a part of you and very much function as part of you for the good of the rest of you. Are we committed to carrying each other's burdens and seeking the greater good over our personal comfort? Well, I actually want to finish with an encouragement. I want to finish with an encouragement because, um, because uh, you know, there's lots of challenging stuff that's come on this sermon and, and will come out in the rest of this series. But I've spoken to a couple of different uh, uh, relative newcomers who've you know, been at church in the past kind of six, 12 months or so, and they've been so encouraging. So I just want to say, from the eyes of a newcomer, someone who's relatively new to our community, you know what they said? They said, this is a lovely, welcoming, supportive, generous community that they have joined. And so I want to leave you with that encouragement to say, CPE, let's keep going. Let's keep pushing in 
to what it means to be this diverse and broad and united body together. Let me pray for us in that now. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we want to thank you and praise you. Lord, for your mercy. Lord, it's by your grace that we can even be considered as part of your people, as part of your family here. And Father, we want to uplift our church to you. Father, we might be indeed a broad and diverse group of people who love and value each other, who bear each other's burdens, who see our dependence on each other. Lord, we know that there are many challenging things here, and there are ways and places that we really need to grow in as a church. And Father, we ask that your spirit might indeed Oh, Lord, we are so thankful, Father, that you have gathered us this morning. 